On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, everybody, to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast. I am delighted today to introduce to you Dr. Eli Jones. If I were to read his biography, which, by the way, I'm going to call you Eli, but oh, my goodness, it is it's just amazing. I think you're probably you may be the most lettered individual, if we call it that even or um, what would we call it? You have so many. Um, so many like, letters. Yeah, so many claims to fame. Oh, oh my know. goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not the least of which, you have served as the dean of three flagship businesses over yes. 13 years. You are at the dean of Mays Business School. Now yes. you're at Texas A&M. Do I have that right? I am. I'm at Texas A&M. Mays Business School is here at Texas A&M. That's okay. Right. What's so yeah. big about Texas A&M? You just hear that all the time. What's the big deal about the Aggies? A&M? Oh, yeah. Lots of traditions. That's that's what's so big about Texas A&M. Lots of graduates. You know, we have over 70,000 students. And they all returned yesterday, by the way, the spring semester started. So, right. Very good. This is a busy time for you, no doubt. So thank you for taking time to even appear on the show. And in addition to your expertise in business, what you're bringing to the show specifically that that and personally that I am most interested in is the book that you've recently written, and it's called Run Toward Your Goliaths. And you say that it's about conquering strongholds and breaking barriers. And as you and I were discussing coming onto the show, as you so graciously agreed to do so, which I so appreciate, I know you're very busy. You you talked about how renewing your mind is an integral part of that. And, but I I really kind of want to just unpack the book a little bit, talk about the four pillars, talk about the five stones. Most of my listeners know all about David and Goliath. And we understand, yeah, we've all got Goliaths in our lives. We've all faced obstacles, endured storms. And by the grace of God, hopefully we've learned a few things along the way. But unpack your book for us. And then even if you could talk about your, your personal experience, you and your wife, I believe, mm-hmm. have, have um, you know, this is, a, it's your journey. It's the, yes. both of you, your journey. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for asking. We're very, very pleased to have the book out. It uh, was launched in October of twenty one. Uh, and I, I just want to share with you kind of the motivation behind it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's obviously something that God has put on my heart. And that's what I'm most excited about. And I prayed over the book that every reader would have a special revelation mm-hmm. that will come out of reading the book. So run toward your Goliaths. It's really built around, obviously, David and Goliath. And I've been thinking about that for quite a while, the confidence, the courage, now, we all have giants. You're right. We all have these challenges that we face in a lifetime. Well, I was led to write this one mainly for my family. That was the genesis of it. I was writing something to my kids 
Uh, my wife and I have four adult children, 10 grandkids. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, it would be nice to leave something for them, kind of a leave behind, if you will, so that they would always have the information that's in contained in the book and, uh, and that it will encourage them. As I was writing the book, I shared draft chapters with uh, quite a few friends and my parents, uh, no, sorry, my family, <laughs> my parents are deceased, but um, I shared the, the book drafts with my sister and some other family members. And as I was doing this, I heard constantly, maybe you should publish this because there are others who may benefit from it. So for those who pick up the book, it is designed to inspire, to encourage, it really, really is. And it is a faith journey. So my wife and I will celebrate 39 years of marriage uh, in April. Uh, and uh, like many other folks, uh, we've gone through our set of challenges. But what I wanted to do is encourage folks who are early in their careers, perhaps, those who are maybe toward the end of their careers to think about the legacy that they'll leave behind. And so it's based on four pillars, as you mentioned. So the first is build on your foundation. Right. And so when I think about it, I mentioned my parents because you know, I had a very strong foundation. You know, I'm, I'm really blessed. I came from a two parent household and my my parents, my parents were entrepreneurs. They started several businesses and succeeded in several businesses. And I had a chance to witness that. And that obviously affected me and impacted me in a big way. So while I am an academic now, I worked with three global companies before pursuing my PhD to become an academic, but I've also been an entrepreneur along the way. So I love to start things, right? So you'll appreciate this. Uh, there's a friend of mine who actually does a lot of analyses on the five spiritual gifts, right? Uh, and so you, as we know, so you have the apostle, the prophet, the shepherd, the evangelist, the teacher. And so I've gone through the testing of all that and I'm an apostle and a teacher. Those are the two highest of the five spiritual gifts. And I laugh because apostles are really sort of entrepreneurs. We like to start things, right? And so, uh, and so I have started centers and institutes as an academic. I support uh, faculty and staff who are starting new things. I believe in innovation. And I had a chance to witness it up close and personal, just watching my parents who did not complete college. In fact, they never attended college. I'm a first generation college student, wow. but um, thank you. And I, you know, I had a chance to witness how they started businesses and how they really sustained themselves through prayer, obviously, but also to have the courage. And so when I say build on your foundation, even if you don't have a two parent household, you know, but you can always learn from even things that may not be strong, right? Things that are negative, you learn from those experiences and you build on your foundation, all right? And that's the first part. The second part is to find your rhythm. Now that one, I, I really love writing that section because I am, I'm actually a drummer. Uh, my wife is a singer, it's yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I've been playing drums for over 50 years. And, uh, and I always talk about when I take on new teams as a leader of three flagship business schools and before that in corporate, I always say, hey, we've got to find our rhythm, all right? Uh, and so when we find our rhythm, we're now gelling, right? It's kind of like a band. You get a bunch of musicians together and they start jamming a little bit. And after a while, they start to find their rhythm. And all of a sudden, you've got beautiful music that's coming out. 
And so when I think about it from a career path, people who are just starting out, maybe they're you know, young college grads and they're starting their career and they're trying to find themselves along the way. So I actually incorporated some research in that section of the book where we look at people in different age ranges and what they're thinking about, what's gonna motivate them. And I included that in the book as well. So find your rhythm, find your calling, you know, find your purpose. And we tend to talk a lot about that. And I believe that, you know, that particular section is all about try some things. You know, I had a chance to witness my parents and other entrepreneurs trying things. You, you know, you see a successful entrepreneur, but you go back and ask them, how many failures have you had? And they're happy to tell you, look, not every one of my innovations succeeded. In fact, I failed a lot of times, but finally something hit. All right. And I found my rhythm. I found something that would be appealing to our customers and our clients. And so coming from that background, that entrepreneurship background, I wanted to include in here that you got to just try some things. And as you try different things, God is going to lead you. He's going to point you in a particular direction. You know, I never would have imagined I was a radio DJ way back in the day, you know, early 80s, late 70s. And I never would have imagined that I would have gotten three degrees and that I would be a dean of a top 20 public business school. And people often ask, and I tell them, you know, I just tried a few things. I found myself along the way. I found that I love to teach and that my calling is to teach. And then when I looked at the spiritual gifts and I found that being a teacher is at the highest of all of the ratings, I thought, no, see, I found my rhythm. I didn't have that test before, but I found it. And so that's what I'm trying to do in that section of the book, Find Your Rhythm, is to encourage people to try different things. Know that you might fail, fail fast, learn from it, move on, and you're going to find yourself along the way. And that, that particular section has been, I think, from the readers who've read the book and commented, I hear such amazing things, those people who have emailed me, those who have contacted me. And I've heard so many things. I've, I've heard from a guy who retired five years ago, who read the book. And when he got to that section, he called me up, he's a personal friend. He called me up and he said, you know, as I was reading it, God revealed to me that there were projects that I started over a decade ago and I didn't finish. But as I read your book, I was encouraged to go back and pick up those projects and finish those things. So finish strong, right? Mm -hmm. Find your rhythm. The next section of the book is dare to believe. Dare to believe. And there's, that's the section where we bring in a lot of scriptures throughout the book, of course. Mm -hmm. But there it really is, hey, dare to believe. Know that you have the confidence, right? That you've got God. You've got the God factor. That's a big one. Dare to believe, dream big, dream big. That's what that section is all about. My wife wrote a song, Dare to Believe, which is on Spotify and iTunes and all. Uh, her name is Fern Walker Jones, and that's my partner. Uh, and so she wrote this book, Dare to Believe. And I was careful to put some of her lyrics in the book as well, just to punctuate some of the points that we were making. And then the last section is leave a legacy. When you think about it, you know, we go through life and we do sorts of things, all sorts of things. And those of us with children and grandchildren and all, we want to leave something behind for them. And I believe that our inheritance, our real inheritance, so many people think about, well, I'm going to go for the money. I'm going to get some money. I'm going to get some material things, some possessions. 
I believe fundamentally the inheritance is what we have taken from our ancestors that we build on the shoulders of others. And that inheritance, that's part of our lineage. That's part of what we've learned. I've learned a lot and I've passed those things on to my adult children. And I'm watching my grandchildren and how they're operating. I'm actually learning from them, uh, which is kind of interesting. But that, that part of it, leaving a legacy, is a big portion of why we do what we do. Mm, this is so amazing. I'm enjoying hearing you give this description of each of these pillars. And it's a little bit challenging to me. I'm thinking, okay, yes, 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 and yes on all of them. And I'm also thinking about the listener who says, where do I even begin with this? Let's say I'm, if you can picture yourself or imagine this, and maybe from your wife's perspective, even say a 55 year old woman who is now the kids are gone and grown like you adult children. Mm -hmm. And if, where do they even start with all of this? Is it just that one day you decided, I know you said you wanted to leave a legacy. That's kind of where you started and really ended with that fourth pillar. But how did you even get there? Why did that become so important to you? What was the turning point for you? And if we haven't had that turning point, how do we, where do we even start with all of this? Such a great question. Thank you for that. You know, I have in the book, this giant called waiting, waiting. Mm -hmm. So you think about it, you know, link it back to David, you know, as you, as we all know, (laughs) right? Yeah. He was prophesied over and he would be king one day when he was a teenager, he would be the king one day. Right. right? All right. Think about all those years, those years that passed and finally he became king. Right. It's a giant called waiting. It's all God's timing, isn't it? Remember in Find Your Rhythm, I talk about it's all about timing, right? As a drummer, it's all about timing. And it's God's time. And so this idea of the giant called waiting, it's the patience. You know, my my wife, stay-at-home mom for many, many years. Uh, she left the workplace and uh, and she had some dreams of her own. And that's what her song is about. Right? She had some dreams of her own. Right. And she wanted to follow her passions. Right. But she had to wait. We had the children. She were, we were rearing children and all these things and supporting me in my crazy career. But anyway, right. but now she's, you know, she's come into it and she has the opportunity to do those things that God put on her heart a long, long time ago. We're talking decades, decades. Mm. For those of you who are thinking about, you know, hey, where do I begin? Well, you begin with your, what did God put on your heart? What was that? All right. And that's what that whole, remember, back up, find your rhythm. It's like, you know, God put something on my heart. I'm going to go try that. I'll try that. It may work. It may not. All right. But it's something that God put on my heart. It may work for a while. It may work for a season. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's something that God put on your heart for such a time as this. It's an appointed time. Right. Mm-hmm. Remember in the book, I even talk about you know, this is all about timing, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe there's a drum beat in life for all of us. There's this drum beat, right? It's constantly going in the background. And I believe God gives us something to do at an appointed time. Mm-hmm. It's at that moment. And I've talked to a lot of people who say, you know what? God did put something on my heart and I didn't follow through on that. And I always say, well, you know, we all miss a beat. And drumming when you're playing, you can hear a drummer when he misses or she misses a beat. 
right? And I think it's like that in life, right? So God puts something on your heart. You were supposed to do it at that appointed time and you missed the beat. Yeah. Right? You missed the beat. So go back and think about those missed beats, those mm. things that God put on your heart at a time you thought, eh, that's not the right time. I've got to yeah. do this. What a what a great analogy, the missed beat. Mm-hmm. I love that because, you know, it's never too late to start chasing your passion and start doing what's right and yeah. kind of walking, walking your dreams out really and reaching yeah. for them. It's never too late. And really, you know, I'm also we we homeschooled, well, I home educated my children for 19 years and was working a job at the same time. I teach Spanish at the university level, actually. And that's what I do. That's what funds my my side ministry here. But yeah, yeah. but anyway, but once my last launch, just this this summer, he moved out. My we have four. And so I don't even like calling it empty nest because it's truly not an empty nest. It's I mean, not. if they're little birds, they are flitting. They're coming back to <laughs> they yes. do come back. And I love it. And <laughs> it's right. not as messy of a nest, but it's right, right. still not empty by any yeah. stretch. But but I'm so enjoying this time of my life personally. And I feel like there's just, I'm on the brink of something so big. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's just such a wonderful season for me. And even though I'm obviously a lot older, I'm still, I love to teach like you do, Eli, and it's been such a blessing in my life, but now I'm hosting a podcast, what? And I'm writing books, what? You know, all these things that I've loved are finally, I've got a little bit more time to do some of those things. And so I'm, I feel like I'm really stepping into my calling and is an issue of timing. Now's the time. And, and I want the listener to be encouraged by that. I know many of them are, they, they feel sad now that their kids are gone. They're, they're like, okay, who am I? What what do I do now? What do I do? I don't even know my husband and, and how does all of this work? And they're almost in a crisis mode in some ways, and they're tired and they're weary and they're trying to figure all this out. But there is a it can be a wonderful season and we don't have to, you know, the world might say you're just, you know, withering away, you know, it's kind of all over now. It's a downhill slide. No, there's still so many adventures out there and so many, so many wonderful things to step into. And I'm, I'm so grateful that, that you, that you shared that and that you're encouraging the listener in that way to, what is it? Was there something along the way that really sparked some energy and enthusiasm and life in your heart? And can you go back and maybe retrieve that and then, and then walk into it? And I want to know though, what thoughts as we're kind of tying back into that renewed mind, what are some of the thoughts that play interference with these four pillars, any of the four pillars? What what keeps us and it could be a big Goliath maybe it's a little Goliath I don't know but what are those thoughts that you've noticed even in your personal life or maybe things that your wife has said that are really showstoppers and they keep you stuck or they Mm -hmm. keep you in this state of inertia and defeat so that you're afraid or something what what are those thoughts it's fear that's it yeah that's right that's at the top of the list 
So in, in my research, so I, I'm actually in sales and sales management. I was a sales manager and now I do research and publish in the areas of sales and sales management. And so as, as you step into that role, just imagine salespeople calling on customers, getting rejections and getting back up and being very persistent and so on. You know, that's part of the lifestyle that I had before I became an academic. And I have a, a real appreciation for that. Similar to entrepreneurs starting businesses. Mm -hmm. Okay, this didn't work out. Let's try another Another thing. But what I've noticed in the research in particular, you know, there are different kinds of fears, obviously. There, you know, there's this fear of success, right? Fear of failure, right? There's the imposter's syndrome. So when you think about that, what I've learned through the research is sometimes people are afraid to start something because they they fear failure. Right. The other part of that, which was kind of amazing, you can Google all of this. Look at the fear of success. I bet you know some people. I know some people in my network who could be very successful at it, but they fear that success. So there are different kinds of fears. But what does the Bible say about fear? Right. Right. How many times in the Bible do we have something about fear? and not being afraid. I can quote scriptures around that. If we're believers, all right, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? You think about all of those scriptures, we should not be afraid, all right? Even when we succeed, we should not feel like we're an imposter. There's that imposter syndrome. It's like, how did I get there? I'm not supposed to be there. I can't believe I'm here. Oh, they may find me out. I'm not supposed to be here. Think about all those fears. People who have succeeded, Mm -hmm. with imposter syndrome, they have succeeded. And now they're in front of people and they're applauding them and giving them a standing ovation. And even those people right. feel imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. afraid that they might find out that I'm not qualified, even though they're giving you a standing ovation, something right. happened there, right? So in that part of the book, I hit that fear of failure, right? Mm. Right, I mean, spot on. I was afraid. <laughs> so my wife and I got married very early and started having children very early. And it was right during the time when I was trying to finish up a, you know, a degree. And I, and I had some, I had a couple of false starts and jumped out there. Next thing I know, we had a, a, a fourth child. <laughs> All right. And I was afraid because I had not found my rhythm yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I had to really rely on God's grace and try some things and I had to try fast right mm, I talk like about, that yeah I talk about being fearful I've got another child on the way and I don't have a job and I don't have insurance health insurance yeah yeah I was very afraid but thank God thank God I went through that season and I started different things I found sales that that appealed to me all right. And then from that, I found that from that selling effort, what I really am built to do, what I was made to do was to teach. Mm -hmm. Right. And selling, you're kind of teaching. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of led me down this path. And later I started a sales center. Next thing I know, I was being called to be a dean of a business school. I'm at a school now where the faculty who taught me. All right. Asked me to lead them. That oh, just doesn't, amazing. That that doesn't amazing. just happen. That was a God thing. Yeah. That was a God thing. And so that's what I'm sharing with people. 
don't be afraid. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid. We should not be fearful. I teach a process called the seven R's for living your best thought life. And a part of that process, it's what I've learned personally. It's kind of like my testimony from overcoming depression and distress and anxiety and really taking the Bible to task about taking every thought captive, being transformed through the renewing of my mind. Yes. And I kind of discovered, I went on a quest, a, a mentor challenged me to discover what that meant. Mm -hmm. And I took her up on that challenge and fast forward five, six years and I now have some scaffolding and you know, some structure on the logistics of how to do that. It's a method or a process. I call it my signature process. Now, people don't want methods or processes. They want the end result. They, yeah, want, they want freedom. The yeah, they want the freedom. <laughs> right, and, right. But unfortunately, there's a lot of grunt work in the yes. trenches before we can really get there. Yes. But one of the processes, one of the steps in this method is first of all, we have to recognize what we're thinking about and we're gonna identify those lies mm -hmm. or toxic thoughts or enemy darts. Mm -hmm. And we wanna kind of, we want to de-energize them essentially. Mm -hmm. But, and we need to replace them with the truth, with God's truth, because that is something we can stand on. If we know yes. nothing is true in this world, we know his word is true. Amen. So we can stick to that and be safe. But here's a common objection I get. It's not enough, for example, just to say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Because though we say that, we may not really believe it inside. Mm -hmm. It's not just this, I'm going to say this, say this, say this, and, and, and focus on this thought. And then suddenly, oh, I'm not afraid anymore. There's a little bit of a gap. We, we don't want to create cognitive dissonance where we're saying something we don't really believe. And I know we need to confess that unbelief. But what would you say to the person who says, you know, I, I don't want to be afraid, but I am afraid. Maybe there's an entrepreneur listening. Many of my friends are so creative and the yeah. listeners, I'm like, yeah. they blow my mind with what they do yeah. and their business ideas. And they're, yeah. maybe they make an amazing cheesecake or they can design jewelry. And I'm just astounded by, by the creativity. God, creator, God created yeah. us in his image to create. Yeah. And it's so much fun, but, but they, they don't want to be afraid, but they are afraid. Mm -hmm. How would you, how would you bridge that gap for them? Or how would you encourage them if they can't get beyond that thought that, yeah, I'm scared to death. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about try it and try it fast or fail fast. Mm -hmm. In other words, you, it's almost like you're not giving yourself any measure to really entertain all of the fearful thoughts in the first place. You're just right. going to like done beats perfect. I'm going to do it. And I'm just yes. going to do it anyway. And I'm going to yeah. learn and go. That's right. But is, is there something else to all that? Yeah. You know, I think about Peter a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I think about Peter walking on water, right? And having to keep his head up and focused on Jesus. I think about Peter a lot walking on water. I think about Peter getting out of the boat. Right. Think about that for a minute. You know, if you're Peter and you're in the boat and Jesus is saying, come, right? If you're in a boat in a secure spot, and you're just floating on water. And all of a sudden, Peter listens to Jesus and he says, come. Peter had to have the courage to even move to put a foot in the water. Right. 
I think about Peter a lot there. And what I say to people is take that step. Take the step. You know, there are all kinds of sayings that come to mind, right? So, you know, this one I, I love. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time, right? So take that first step. Take that one bite. All right. Can, and then can you, you tell can, us, Eli, what is the hardest bite you've ever taken? Can you, could you say this was the hardest bite for me ever in my life? Is there one, well, something that comes to mind, that first bite? Yeah, there, there's so many. <laughs> there, 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 Maybe there, the most distasteful one or something. I don't know. What was the, the chewiest one or the most difficult one? Like, yeah, I'm going to bite into that. Yeah. So um, I'll share it with you. And I, I put it in the book and it was a step of obedience. All right. Um, okay. Step of obedience. Um, so at one point I was a dean at LSU as uh, part of the E.J. Uso College of Business and was responsible for, I don't know, 4,000 lives, students, faculty, and staff. Wow. But what was interesting at that time was that, you know, you say the best of times and the worst of times. We've heard that before, right? What's interesting is at that time, our youngest daughter, she's the one I didn't have insurance for, and here she is, she's 38 today, uh, working for Amazon Web Services, doing a wonderful job, has two kids and so on. And, uh, and her husband is a beautiful man. I just love him. Very, very spirit-filled. At any rate, when my wife and I, being empty nesters, all right, with adult children, we moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I started as the dean there. And it was sort of, this was a point when we left our adult children who were in mm -hmm. Houston. Our youngest daughter lived in Albany, New York. She was with Cisco Systems and they moved her family to Albany, New York. My wife, when our daughter was expecting her first child, my wife said, hey, if you move to Baton Rouge, where we are right now, I'll keep your firstborn for one year while you and Ryan go to work. And it was, I tell you, it was a, an amazing thing. So our daughter, our son-in-law, son-in-love, yes. and, our, and our firstborn, uh, her firstborn, uh, all moved to Baton Rouge. And then she had an, another baby, a beautiful girl, Riley. At any rate, we were settled. And then I started getting calls from the University of Arkansas. We want you to consider being the dean of the Walton College of Business. And I promise you, I said no five times. And they kept coming. I'm like, wait a minute, something's going on here. God keeps putting this right here in my path. I keep saying no, but it keeps coming back. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, and it's all in the book, later on, my wife, who was very opposed to moving away from our youngest daughter and her family, they invited us to visit the campus. And it was just an incredible, incredible experience. And lo and behold, when we got back, I asked her, she went from zero, I'm not interested at all, to I'm 60% in favor of moving. Mm -hmm. And that step of obedience was just amazing. Talk about that bite. Mm. We picked up, we moved from our family, just the two of us, and we landed in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And we had no idea what God had in store for us. Mm. It was one of those things, and I outlined it in the book, it was one of those things that I prayed over the offer to join them and LSU counteroffered. So it was not about money. It was not at all about money. It was this tug. It's like something's there. I don't know what it is, but I feel that God is pulling us there. Mm -hmm. 
And when we got there, oh my God, the believers there in that mm. Northwest Arkansas corridor, they are incredible in the love that we received there and people praying over me right there in the dean's office in the daylight nobody hiding it and for two days straight people were coming through parading through and praying over and here's the thing what i heard when we moved there i heard people say we've been praying for you wow that tug that's mm. that felt awkward that act of obedience when we got there, we realized it. And here's the thing. We didn't miss a beat, by the way. We made sure we committed to seeing our family, our grandkids and all at least once a month. And God made a way for us to see our family. We never got disconnected at all. Mm. All right. And then God brought something that I never anticipated. God brought an opportunity for us to move home. And now we see our, in fact, we have a grandson who's a freshman at AM. He lives with us. Mm -hmm. All right. We see our family. We mainly are in Houston. We zip in and out of Houston all the time. And we now see our family more than we saw them when we were in Baton Rouge. All right. Our youngest daughter, we see, we see her every other weekend. All right. God brought us home. But before he brought us home, he put us in a place where we were fed spiritually. Mm. And if I would have been afraid, if I would have said no to that opportunity, I would have missed the beat, the thing that God wanted to do for us, which was to put us in a place where people would pray over us regularly. And we got fed there in Northwest Arkansas. That was a big bite. <laughs> that was a big, like bite. a big bite. Oh my yeah. goodness gracious. And something you said was so curious to me, your wife went from zero to 60%. Yeah. What if she had gone to like 20% or 30%? How I'm just kind of curious, total off topic, really, but <laughs> right. how you all make decisions, because that's mm. an interesting way to for her to express her where she stood. I often do that in my relationships. I'm mm -hmm. like, I need, for some reason, that number, that little, some gauge is really helpful to me. My daughter was in a horrible automobile accident and she was transported via helicopter. This was like, I think maybe 10 years ago and she's fine. God, you know, she's, she's fine. But, but when the plastic surgeons were about ready to do the surgery, I had seen her, but I needed to know what they thought because I, what is this that you're going to do right now on a scale of zero to 10 with 10 being the hardest thing you've ever mm -hmm. done mm -hmm. and you've ever faced, where do you put her surgery? And they said four. And so mm -hmm. I thought, okay, four, four is not my mind said like 15 billion, right? Mm -hmm. That's where I was going with it. But they said, four. And so suddenly I was a little bit relieved and all that. But anyway, I, I like numbers. Like, yeah. do you, you know, you, if you tell me, I don't know, or I don't care, I'm like, okay, on one to 10, yeah, yeah, you know, that's where I, are right. we a four or a six? Yeah, don't yeah. give me a five. I need right. to get right. that gauge in there. Yeah. So yeah. How, how, why did she say I'm 60% or is that how you all make decisions? Just curious. Right. We do. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. So I've got a, uh, a few folks who've read the book and they listen to my podcast and it's like, you know what? We really want to hear how you all have survived 39 years of yes. marriage. 
and the give and take and the compromises that we make and all. And so I've been really blessed with the partner for life. And and we've been doing that for the entire time. Even when we dated, it's a give and take. It's like, okay, we compromise, all right? Mm -hmm. In a sense, it's like, okay, well, what is it that God's putting on your heart? And what is God putting on my heart? And let's compare notes. And a lot of times, and we've been really blessed, a lot of times we're in sync. Mm. On occasion, on occasion, there might be a competing vision, which I also put in the book, their competing vision, right? And so we've got to work through all of that. And we've managed to work through many, many things. So in my career, we've moved 21 times. My goodness gracious. And we're, we're almost at 40 years. So do that math. Wow. Right? That's moving about every two years. That's moving homes, moving to a different state. That's doing all of that. In my corporate career, we moved quite a bit. All right. And then even in my academic career, even though it's supposed to be a steady, I moved up quite a bit as well because God had things for me to do. That's what I learned. He moved us to different places for such a time as this. There was a, a thing that he put on yeah. me that he wanted me to do. And what's beautiful about my relationship with my wife is she always says yes to God. She prays about it. She even your question was, what if she would have come back with 20 percent, you know, 30 percent? Knowing my wife, she would have prayed about that and God would have spoken to her and knowing how it all worked out in the end, you know, it's always easier to look at life in the rear view mirror, right? Mm -hmm. I put that in the book. Now yeah. looking back, it was, it was perfect. The timing was great, right? He brought us back home. He sent us there for something to do, which we did. And he brought us home, right? Mm -hmm. And it was only him that could, done, could have done that because it's really uncommon for an alumnus to lead the very institution they graduated from. Right? Yeah, that's right. So he right. Opened, the, opened the doors here for yeah. us, but we had to take that first step. We had to get out of the boat, yeah. right? We had to take that first step. And it's like, okay, we don't know why, but we're going here now, right? right? And we had to explain that to our family. We had to I'm explain, sure. I had to explain it to my youngest daughter. Why yeah, because, because your four kids, they moved right with you and they're going to different schools and different friend sets. And yeah, so yeah. that was we, not easy for them too. Easy. Yeah. But yeah. you know, we, we, uh, you know, you make lemonade out of lemons, right? So we, uh, we always talked about it as we were going through it. Now we can look back and we can see all the benefits of doing that. But at the time, right, we were looking at, well, okay, we're going to experience something else. Let's get excited about that. Yeah. All right. I can tell you places that we moved to. It's like, wow, this was great. The kids enjoyed it too. They made new friends and, and our, our adult children, they're very adaptable now. Yeah. That's the thing. They're succeeding in their careers. They adapt. Right. And that's the blessing that came from all of those moves. I don't recommend it. <laughs> don't do it unless God tells you to go. But uh, yeah, but be aware that uh, if you move to the extent we moved, God still blessed us because I have children, adult children who are very adaptable and they have moved in their jobs and, and those kinds of things. And they have constantly, their trajectory is just mm -hmm. really amazing. Really yeah, powerful. that flexibility, they develop yes. that real situational flexibility. I love yeah. that. You know, your wife sounds totally extraordinary. And I think I yeah. need to have her on the show. You really time. should. I know. <laughs> I gotta meet her. Yeah, yeah. I really do. And oh, maybe yeah. we can talk about her songwriting and right. just something yeah. along those lines. How curious yeah. is that? Well, I have two more questions for okay. you. And the, the first question is, 
Okay. So what is next for you? Do you feel um, any nudges now? Or are um, you ready to say, or maybe you would not say this, but because do you ever want to say, okay, Lord, we're good. We're settled or yeah. how, what's next? Oh, that's such a great question too. I'm often asked that. So, um, you know, I, um, I, uh, voluntarily left the deanship last year yes. uh, after serving for quite a while and decided to go back to the faculty because I love to teach. I love to write and so on. And I've had so many people like, are you going to become a president of a university? Are you going to yeah. do this? Are you going to be right. a chancellor? And they, you know what? I'm finally in the season. We're talking about seasons earlier. I'm in a season where I could truly say with all my heart that I don't know. <laughs> But I'm excited because I'm right. waiting for what God wants me to do next. And nice. it's exciting. It's not a financial situation. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It's not a financial situation anymore. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about checking off all my career goals. goals I yeah. All those, those things. And so I tell people, it's like, I don't know, but it's exciting. I'm truly in a position where God can use me the most. Wow. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, it sounds exciting. It's like you're standing on the edge of something great. You know, yeah. that's kind of yeah. what I, that's how I feel really. I'm yeah. like, I'm like a little kid in a candy shop. It's yeah. like, okay, what's next, Lord? Where do yes. we go from here? And yeah. that it's all, it's all, you know, we, we tell God, it, my life is yours, God. I yes. want to be that vessel for, of your glory. And I want to shine your light. And that is exciting. And it's such a it privilege is. being a Christian is there yes. are so many privileges oh, to this standing that we have. Right. And anyway, so yes. Okay. I kind of thought that might be your yeah. answer. Sort of like, yeah. I don't know, but I'm ready. Whatever. I'm ready. Whatever right, you want because to do. You've got that track record also where you have been obedient and you've actually seen the fruit of that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't see the fruit of their labor and their obedience. Sometimes they don't some, you know, they, they, but you have been privileged to see that. And that also no doubt is, is a motivator there. You're, yeah. you wouldn't have it any other way, but okay. Now this one might be a little teeny bit harder of a question, but if you could just give a message. I know this book, this wonderful book that you have written and everything you've articulated in there to inspire and encourage Christians in their journey, no matter the trials, don't get stuck, face those giants, move on. God has a purpose for your life. All of that is such a encouraging message, but what is something you would tell your grandchildren. And I know it would be very similar to what you're saying in the book, but is there anything else in this day and age that you want those precious darling grandchildren of yours to know more than anything else? What would you say to them? Wonderful. Oh, such a great question. You know, when I look at today's world with all the rapid changes going on and you come, you know, we're still in kind of COVID land. We're yes. kind of post pandemic. We're still in all the variants that are coming our way and all. When I think about it, even in terms of the students on university campuses, and I see it, I've got a front row seat where I'm seeing, you know, youngsters, our youth with a lot of anxiety, yeah. a lot of fear, right? Uh, and I even, you know, I, I've sent information out on how to conquer the anxiety. Anxiety, you can look this up and you probably know it, knowing your, your areas of interest. 
Anxiety is the number one mental health issue today. Yeah. Anxiety, the fear of unknown, yeah. of the unknown mm -hmm. is the number one challenge we have. And the more we have variants, the more that builds, right? We had, as a university, we've had to invest in, you know, mental health and bring in more advisors and things of that nature. So to answer your question, the first thing that I tell my grandchildren, depending on their age, I mean, I've got one that's five years old and, you know, he's just living, living life. <laughs> but my older ones, I've got one that's 19, one that's 18. And, you know, we've got some others kind of in that 13 year old range. I tell them, don't be afraid, all right? There's no need for that anxiety. I know the world looks crazy right now, all right? But you've got a social support system around you. We are around to help you, all right? You've got the God factor, right? All right, and so that's what I tell them. That's what I tell them. Yeah, very good. I love it. Okay, Dr. Jones, where can everyone reach you? How can they reach out and find this wonderful book? Oh, and uh, what, what's the contact information there? Sure. So elijones.com, E-L-I-J-O-N-E-S.com is my website. You can purchase the book from there. I also have a podcast. You mind me sharing my podcast? No, absolutely not. Okay. No, I'll put okay. the link even in the show notes. Okay, absolutely. good, good. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. The, the name of the podcast is Victory Groove. Mm -hmm. We have the victory. We just need to get our groove back. <laughs> I love it. And you have such a good voice for a podcast. Oh my goodness. You, you've got that very deep and just a, it's an excellent podccasting voice. Have, do people tell you that? Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you, you can hear well, it. Well, that was my yeah. first career, remember? That was That's right, a DJ. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you've got you've got the whole makeup there. Oh, so yeah, well, we will definitely, I'll put the, a link to the book as well in the show notes, as well as your website, and then the link to your podcast on Apple Podcasts. So thank you so much. What a, oh, what a pleasant interview. And I really have appreciated that you have been so courageous, and you are a role model of stepping out in faith. Mm -hmm. And chasing your passions and your dreams, but doing it every step of the way with God. Yes. And we would be nothing without him. And we know that he's the very breath we breathe. He gives us that life and that, that um, gumption. And, but to see someone who by all outward appearances, just what little time we've chatted, you, you seem to be the epitome or a role model for for God's blessing and favor. And there you are all these, all these years, whether it's your marriage or the quote success of your, your children and grandchildren and the family dynamics that you have, it seems like God has just abundantly blessed you. And I think you would say, oh my goodness, he oh, has. Yes. Yeah. No yeah. Question. And so that's so refreshing. Um, but, and I know your life hasn't been easy or your wife's. I know there have been hardships there, but the, the 
common ground there is always, but God, he yes. sustains us and he pulls us through and we're keeping our eyes on him yes. and moving forward. So what yeah. a blessing, what an Amen. inspiration, oh, but thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you so much for appearing and God bless you. Thank God you so bless much. You too. Okay. It's a wrap brain changer. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Ciao. Thank you.